What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 94 of Combo's Court. And I am Combo. Go rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app. Today's show, Coach Nick, producer and creator of B-Ball Breakdown, joins in. B-Ball Breakdown is the most popular YouTube channel devoted to NBA and basketball analysis. You can follow Coach Nick on Twitter and Instagram at B-Ball Breakdown. That's B-B-A-L-L-B-R-E-A-K-D-O-W-N. You know you can follow me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Got on the track. Okay, Coach Nick, man, welcome back to Combo's Court. How's, how's your summer been? Oh, it's been pretty good. I kind of chilled out in July a little bit and then uh, ramped up in the second half of August and, uh, and now I'm just trying to get back at it, get on the court and film more on-court stuff. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been going pretty well. When you do your videos, is there a set amount you want to do per month or you just kind of go with the flow? I mean, I, I, I ideally release four videos a week. Oh, wow. Um, and that's my ideal. Now, in the playoffs, I, 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 I did more than seven a, a week. Like, I, I probably did 60 in 50 days, something crazy like that. Um, and that's just game breakdowns because the game breakdowns are easier to do because it's just, you know, pick it, spend four or five hours and do it. It's when I have to, you know, reinvent the wheel to come up with another idea or whatever that gets really hard. Although the best ones tend to be some sort of reaction to what's happened out there for like a coach getting fired or player being traded. So I don't, I got to like, I have my, you know, work cut out for me right now to figure out exactly how I want to manage the season because, you know, I don't know if the game breakdowns during the regular season are going to be as popular if they are, then then great. I can do at least four a week. You know what I mean? Right. I saw you spend some time at the Drew League. Mm-hmm. How's Mello looking, man? Well, we went down there. I was down there with Devin Williams, and we uh, – to check him out. I mean, it was kind of startling to me how much he looks like Lonzo now, just his body type. It's, he's kind of really just, you know, filled out and, and stretched out. Um, he could be the better of any of those – of, of the brothers, really. Wow. Because um, here's the thing. You know, I think he just barely turned 18. I think he might have even been 17 when I was watching him. And he's an MVP candidate of the Drew League, which, you know, is not the NBA, but it's pros. And if you're that young and you're able to have that kind of effect on the game at that level, uh, that's something. So, right. um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think the game is, is so radically changing so quickly that, it, you know, if, if you would have shown that him to me, you know, 15 years ago, I would have been like, I would have shrugged and then like, yeah, he has, he's not, it's not it. But um, he has something. He really does. He, he really has the same kind of, you know, passing gene as Lonzo does. And he's got the same shot. Um, and it's not, it's not even as consistent as Lonzo's is, which is not that consistent. So, uh, but again, he's, the dude is 17 or 18. You know, he's got time. So I would anticipate by this time next year, uh, you know, or by the draft time, he'll, he'll be a, a top draft pick. Right. I feel like the NBA is closer to an open run style or summer league type game now than it was like, I'd say 20 years ago. 
I agree. I mean, I think part of the reason for that is I don't want to just sort of poo-poo the defense and saying, ah, they don't, they don't even try to play defense anymore. I think the problem is, is that the dribbling is so good now that you can't pressure – and there's no hand-checking – that you simply can't pressure the ball like you used to. So you can exist out there in a little bit of space, and suddenly the game's more up and down, and it, you know, it's going to get more and more unrecognizable compared to the 90s or something like – or even before that. And, um, and that's going to change the way we evaluate players, you know? For sure, for sure. I seen you got to spend some time at the big three as well. You know, I, everybody's talking Joe Johnson. You know who really impressed me? Stack, Steven Jackson. He's like, I really believe he could still play, maybe not in the NBA, but I think he could be like a EuroLeague high-level player even at this point. You know, it, it is hard to tell because, remember, right. it's the three-on-three. Three. Right. Uh, there's no up and down. And, and these guys, you know, being that age as I am now, around that, you know, their age, uh, it you know I could kind of I could take four Advil, and I could run around a little bit in the half court, and you know it, the pain is mitigated because of that. But I'm telling you, once you start going up and down like that, and you have to sprint uh, multiple times in a row, that's when the body really starts to hurt. And you know that that's the real question that we don't see, which is kind of why three and three is great because it it, it kind of lets them you know, be themselves and, and get a, some reasonable version of what we saw even in the NBA now because it's half court. You know what I mean? You have to be in some sort of shape because Lamar Odom kind of struggled. Allen Iverson kind of struggled. I think these guys are in pretty good shape, some of them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's that. I think it's, you know, flexibility um, and, and that kind of thing too. So, I mean, but there's no question. There is some version of shape. There are six players and they are rotating in and out. So no one's playing, you know, the whole game anyway. Um, so there, there is something there. I would suspect, no offense to, you know, Lamar Odom, but I would suspect he's probably not doing much of anything outside of those games. So it's really going to hurt him when he gets out there. Right. I like the FIBA rules better, to be honest, but the big three is super, it's definitely getting better every year. That's for sure. The talent. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, look, and listen, they brought down the, and they brought down the age, Nick, I think it's 27 now, right? Oh, is that right? I don't even, yeah, I didn't I even so. know that, but, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, uh, yeah, like Mario Chalmers was out there, and he can't right. be more than, I don't know, 35 or anything. And, you know, and so he didn't even look as good as you might, you might even think. He looked good at sometimes. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I like the game. I like the format. I like 3x3, too. It, it's a totally different game. Um, Definitely. But, totally different. Totally different. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing what that happens in um, – in uh, the Olympics, I had this fantasy. I was like, I want to try and gun to be the coach for the three X three. That'd be was, cool. Are you very familiar with the rules? Yeah, no, I covered it. I was down there and I was actually inching around towards wanting to do that. And right around the time that, you know, last fall when I was going to try and push like my every, stuff was going on in my family. And I also sort of realized that even if I, let's just say I got that job, I wouldn't be home for, probably eight or nine months straight because I feel like they're going to be training and getting in all these different tournaments all across the world, which would be amazing. But in my situation, it's like I just can't be away from my family that long. Right. It's such a young sport. Is there anything you see that teams might not be utilizing in the three-on-three FIBA rules? Oh, for sure. Well, okay. So it, actually, I was going to suggest some things for the big three that they're doing in the 3x3 that would help them. Uh, That's because, true, for sure, for sure. Yeah, because, you know, the FIBA 3x3 is really, it, it's, it's a little bit more mature. They actually run a little bit more of, a, of an offensive flow, even though the, the big three guys will do it. it it's a little bit less um, cohesive. And also, I think that, you know, certainly like the Serbians who have been playing together and are awesome, uh, you know, they've just been playing together for so long. But, um, you know, there's a lot – I mean, listen, every great offensive play when you're talking about five-on-five five is sort of a, basically a three-man game anyway. And right, right. 
it's the distillation of pure basketball. So, you know, the, the best play I'd seen that we see in the 3x3 would be, if you can picture this, um, a ball screen near the elbow going toward to the right, let's just say to the right wing. And then that ball screener who's facing the left sideline then gets his own flare screen going away from the ball. And the flare screener, when, he, when the, guy, the flare cutter catches the ball, will dive to the basket. It's almost impossible to stop because either you can throw it down to the cutter after he screens for the layup or the guy is catching the flare cut for a three. Uh, you get a lot of things out of that. And that's what I see a lot of those, the best teams use to run to get good shots. Yeah, you mentioned the word flow. And I think the reason the European players are, are so good at three-on-three three is that they have a flow to their game that's kind of different than Americans. You know, I feel like the American game is a little more choppy. Obviously, we have the most talented players, but the flow of the European game, like especially those point, there's like there's like point guards who aren't very talented, but they just know how to play the pick and roll and they just got good flow. And I feel like the European game has a lot of flow to it. And that's why they're so good at three-on-three. Three. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, like Dusan Bullet, who is like the best yeah. 3x3 player in the world, you, you talk about talent. I mean, I don't know if he could play in the NBA, but you know, any other league, I would imagine he should, he could do really well. Cause he's a magician. He's like a Chris Paul and uh, just controls the game. Just like you'd see any other, you know, really great point guard. So I see a lot of similarities. I think the one thing that they don't use uh, take advantage of enough is fast breaking. Um, I feel like there's ways you can create fast breaks out of the rules there where you have to get it out from the, um, the low post out into the uh, three point line to reset. And uh, some teams every once in a while stumble across that, but I feel like it should be part of the play and there should be more anticipation to that because in the 3x3 at least, you're getting two points for a three-pointer and you're getting one point for the two-pointers. So right. the three-point shot is twice as much. It's like even more profound than what we see in the NBA. Super analytics, huh? You better shoot the three in, three, in 3v3. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and by the way, and if you're not defending it, too, you could be beating, them up in, beating up a team inside and thinking, oh, this is great, and then all of a sudden they hit three threes in a row and you lose. <laughs> definitely. You definitely have to find shooters right away. And if, and if you have one guy making a layup, you know, he's kind of out of position. You have to switch everything as well. Yeah, and you, and you simply need to make threes. You can't sort of just only rely on the inside game there. Uh, it's going to take you too long to get to that uh, to 21. Um, and finish that game. So you need to be able to match a little bit of what they're, if they're doing or be the team that's getting more of them anyway. And uh, I think that you'll be much more successful in the long run. Right. Speaking of threes, uh, we see Ben Simmons making a few threes here and there on video. What do you feel about Ben's progression as a shooter, just from the video? Well, you know, I, I did a video on the video, and uh, we had a couple <laughs> different videos. And uh, it went viral. It was nice. I mean, people really seemed to dig it and watch it. Um, you know, there's still some issues with footwork. I feel like um, he has a lot of trouble sometimes getting the proper alignment with the feet, which is going back to that, you know, which hand is he supposed to shoot with. And, he, and, and the feet follow that, too. It's very strange. He kind of tends to do a one-two with a righty-looking footwork, even though he's trying to shoot lefty. It is better, though. There's a better rhythm. I think that that was what was troubling uh, uh, most to me. Rhythm is the key to shooting for me anyway. So when I see the rhythm being out uh, of whack, that always makes my hair crawl, but uh, my skin crawl. But uh, it looks a little bit better. When I say rhythm, I mean when is he bringing the arms up in conjunction with when are the, the legs and the ankles and the hips straightening into the shot, into the jump. And uh, it looks like the timing's a little bit better on that uh, for the distance shots. Um, but not great, um, you know, but then again, the argument could very well be if he's just a little bit more willing to take those shots, maybe the defense will be a little bit more willing to have to step a little bit out farther, and then that's all they kind of need for the spacing. So that might be the solution there. And you know what? How low can he possibly go? 
could he get to like 30%? Like, yeah, and that might be just enough. I'm still not sold on the whole Ben Simmons and Embiid pairing anyway for like a title team, but that might be enough. And, you know, I, I would, I can't sit here and tell you he's not going to get to like 25% from three on like, you know, two attempts per game. I think he could do that. Right. Speaking of the pairing, with Al Horford being signed to um, the Sixers, I feel like, you know, Ben almost turns into a four when you put him in the half court. It's almost like you've got three bigs on the floor. Yeah, I, I'm really, really curious how that's going to be. I was going to do a video on it, and I think I'm just going to kind of wait and see uh, in the preseason what we see, and then I'll do a video after we have actual evidence because it's confusing to me. Because um, I don't think that they bring Al Horford in to come bring him off the bench. Right. Right. So, so he's going to start, I guess. And then, you know, it's a, it's an interesting lineup. Um, I like that they brought Richardson in from Miami because I like his defense better than red at Reddick's. They could be really long and really tall and really get after you at that end. So um, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, I had a lot of problems with the Sixers offense overall and how they were using Ben Simmons. And um, it, part of it has to be that, uh, I, you know, I think it's, Brett Brown just needs to get a little bit more control over the situation because all I can tell you is that what we saw Ben Simmons do, which was kind of like hide away, go on the weak side to the, to, the, to the baseline and kind of hide back there, it can't be what Brett Brown wants him to do. And so he needs to be able to get control over that and get him to do you know, better you know, action and movement like coming off of handoffs, you know, running pick and roll on top, those kind of things. So you know, that's, it's so up in the air right now. It, it's really, I have to kind of see it until I can figure it out. Yeah, I mean, they might have got better defensively, but I kind of like the fit with Ben and um, with Ben and JJ. You know, kind of like LeBron and Corver type of thing going on. I don't know. I don't really like that they lost JJ. I was frustrated that they had JJ dribbling so damn much. <laughs> uh, they would run these actions. You know, in in, in LA, it was perfect. He'd come off of him uh, off of pin downs and floppy, and he just catch and shoot, catch and shoot. Maybe he'd come off a handoff, and maybe there's a dribble in there. But I, I don't know. It seems like multiple times a game he'd be taking three, four dribbles in the half court to attack and create. And it's like it just wasn't his thing. And I would always post these, you know, clips on Twitter where you're seeing him just fall down, the ball gets knocked away, and it's a run out the other way. And I, it's not even his fault. He just simply shouldn't be doing those actions. And the offense is like that was what was dictating. So um, I don't know if I really loved that, how that all worked uh, together. Now, watch. If I look it up, I bet you the Sixers offense was, I don't know, was it the top 10 offensive rating probably. Uh, maybe I can look it up real quick. But um, still, I just didn't really like it. And I think that I always look at the prism of how are they going to do in the playoffs. So, you know, if you want to do it in the regular season, fine. Yeah, they were eighth uh, in offensive rating. But – um, I suspect that that rating went down uh, to some degree in the playoffs. If you had one player for next season, like let's say they just did a fantasy draft and you, were, you just had the number one pick and all the NBA players were in the pool, who would you take to win a championship for just one season? I'm sorry, if I could pick anybody in the NBA right yeah, now? Right now, just for this one season, not for the future, for this upcoming season. Oh, boy. Um, I would take um, – because I can't take – I wouldn't take Durant because he's hurt. Um, Gosh, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take LeBron. I think really. I think I would. No, I, I don't know. I mean, listen, all the baggage that comes with that too. It just seems like yikes. But you're right. I mean, he puts you right in there, uh, right at the, at the get go. But there are a couple other players. Like you know, I, I might even pick Kawhi at this point. If you know, the only Does problem he, well, is, is he going to play? That's the thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think Kawhi at the, this point, like he will get you your 68 games. And then, you know, get you through the playoffs, too. So I, I think that that would be enough. So, I mean, Kawhi has to be up there. I mean, he, probably Giannis is probably the other guy I would, I would take, uh, you know, even with his issues shooting. Um, 
it just seems like the pressure he puts on the defense in the right situations uh, when they get into the playoffs too uh, would be the guy you want to take. You like the Westbrook Harden fit? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, that one I really, really need to see. Um, I mean, listen, do you think it worked with Chris Paul and Harden? No, and, but it's funny. It was kind of like a delayed reaction. Like nobody thought it would work. And then it worked for a little bit, and then it didn't work. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> they had that amazing season. And, you know, had he not gotten hurt, they would have probably beaten the Warriors, and then no one would have been – you know, we wouldn't be here. Um, but I, I think it's a personality thing, right? It looked like the, the worst part about the pairing was that, like, this kind of kept butting heads at some point, and that was the issue, even more than, like, the actual on-court play. And we'd seen, like, the Bulls would have been able to overcome that way back in the day when Jordan's teams a little bit. Um, but his, his personality was so strong that he was simply going to make people get in line, whereas – but, you know, those two guys, no one's going to, you know, going to get that alpha uh, from each other. So it's, uh, yeah, I think, I think honestly, if you would probably do the, the, the um, oral history of that team, you're probably going to find out that the biggest issue they ended up having wasn't on the court. And at some point you realize, I mean, that's what, what Daryl Morey realizes that, you know, it's just too, um, there's not enough harmony to get to the next level. Yeah. Speaking of fits, would you like to see Carmelo play for the Nets? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm frustrated because, you know, Carmelo was never that guy that, like, took care of his body and trained properly. So well, I'm he, not tra- surprised. he does a lot of skill development, I feel like. But it, I think he needs, like, the track. He needs the weight room. He needs these Yeah, things. you know, all I mean, those things. He needs, you know, more flexibility. He needs, you know, to be able to uh, improve his explosiveness. And, you know, at this point, he's, he's – I don't know. He's probably not even that old. Do we, how old is he? Do we know? I think he's 34, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 33, yeah. 34. Right. So here's a guy who, you know, should be able to play for another three years. But physically, I mean, you know, at least he dunked. He's actually a little over 35. He dunked um, oh, wow. in one of those games that we saw from Chris Brickley's videos. Right. And I was like, oh, thank God, because he was missing dunks, could not get high enough at all last year in the little that we saw him. So at that point, when you're 6'8 and you can't even dunk, you know, clearly, you know, and I don't think he was playing hurt as far as I can remember back then. But the bottom line is, is yeah, he's that guy. He's never really worked on his body anyway. I'm not surprised that, you know, by age 35, 34, he's out of the league. And I, I, don't, I don't think I see him necessarily helping anybody at this point. I would be, I just would be really surprised if he does. Yeah, I mean, your lift in a, in a gym with Brickley is different than when you're getting up and down in an NBA game. You know, it's like. Yeah, so, yeah that footage is just kind of frustrating to watch. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's good rhyme. I'll tell you right. that. It's, it's, it's amazing, and they never miss. It's really it's – it's crazy how good that is. Well, nobody on Instagram misses, Nick. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and by the way, no one ever told me until recently how, ni- how nice people are on Instagram. Uh, I just started focusing on it. Got, I've gotten, like, a ton of followers. It's been really awesome. And uh, everyone's so nice. It's like I, I, I'm, like, moving away from Twitter. I want to go back to – I want to go to Instagram and stay there. Yeah, there's a lot of bullies on Twitter, man. You, know, you ever heard of TikTok? I heard that's the new thing. Uh, my kids love that. Um, I don't know. Is there any kind of athletic or, or basketball aspect to TikTok? I don't think so. Is there? I haven't checked it out totally. I do. Have, I think I have an account, but I need to start posting on there. But you know what the kids like? The kids will turn into adults eventually, Nick. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I mean, listen, it's just Vine all over again, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so. so, Nick, man, I appreciate you being here. You're always welcome back on the show. You got it. Anytime uh, I, you want to talk, I'm here. Thanks, Nick. Talk soon. Appreciate you. There it is. Big shouts to Coach Nick for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation. Let me know how you feel about this episode right in the comments section of your Apple Podcast app. Hope everybody is enjoying their weekend. Be on the lookout 
for episode 95. Combo out.